Today on Understanding Immigration, President Biden's first 100 days. This is the month in March where DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas went on national television on numerous occasions denying the very existence of a southern border crisis. He doubled down, tripled down, had no remorse about anything. It's just very disheartening to see that the administration is focused more on dunking on President Trump than, than it is on actually solving policy issues. President Biden is in the camp of big business and the open borders lobby and not the American people. Coming to you from Washington, D.C., you are now listening to FAIR's Understanding Immigration Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of FAIR's Understanding Immigration Podcast. This is Preston Hennekins, FAIR's Government Relations Manager, and I'm joined today by our Press Secretary, Matthew Tregesser, and our Research Director, Spencer Rayleigh. April 30th will mark 100 days since Joe Biden became President of the United States on January 20th, 2021. A lot has certainly happened since then. Since taking office, President Biden has upended the immigration system in his administration's own image with a number of moves that clearly delineate himself from his predecessor, President Donald Trump. Today, we're going to take you through the first 100 days of Biden's presidency, focusing exclusively on immigration issues. FAIR has a timeline published on our website that we encourage everyone listening to check out, as it has some great information highlighting the steps that the Biden administration took since coming to office. So, Matthew, let's start from the beginning, January 20th, 2021. Biden is inaugurated as our 46th president. He really hit the ground running, didn't he? You know, Preston, he really did hit the ground running. It was clear from day one that President Biden wanted to make immigration his top priority over uh, our COVID-19 response, over our, our economic response. And he really became infatuated with this uh, immigration issue. And, you know, our timeline that we have published on our website obviously goes into more in, in depth with what he actually did during these first few months. But I'll go over specifically what he did in January, what I thought to be was the most notable, uh, in which the first being the, the suspension of the migrant protection protocols, the MPP, or also known as the Remain in Mexico program. And this was a, a, a huge uh, border security tool that was implemented by the Trump administration in 2019 that required migrants seeking asylum in our country to wait in Mexico northern Mexico until their court hearing arrived in the U.S. And this helped end the catch or the concept of catch and release. Uh, it helped deter illegal migration. It helped curb asylum abuse. But within just a few days of entering the Oval Office, uh, President Biden suspended all new enrollments, uh, effectively ending the program. And this led ultimately to more than 25,000 migrants to be released into the interior of our country. You know, aside from the MPP suspension, uh, let's not forget President Biden and the White House introduced to Congress the U.S. Citizenship Act of 2021. And this was arguably one of the most radical pieces of immigration legislation in U.S. history. Uh, it greatly expanded our legal immigration numbers, including guest worker programs. It provides an amnesty to virtually every single legal alien in our country, which, as, as Fair has noted recently, it could be as many as 14 million illegal aliens. Uh, it eviscerates all interior immigration uh, enforcement. And another thing is, and I've studied this kind of concept extensively now, is this concept of, of foreign aid to the Northern, Northern Triangle countries. And this uh, Citizenship Act provided or provides $4 billion to address the so-called root causes of migration in the Northern Triangle. And it's just proven over time that these types of foreign aid packages don't work. They don't help uh, deter legal migration. Uh, for instance, President, President Obama in 2014, when he was overseeing a similar uh, border surge, his administration 
spent $750 million in Northern Triangle countries to address these so-called root causes. Uh, and then within the, the next five years, from 2014 to 2019, apprehensions just soared. They did little to deter legal migration. Uh, and in my mind, it was just a complete waste of money. You know, a lot of, a lot of times this money ends up in the wrong hands of uh, corrupt uh, officials in the Northern Triangle countries of, of Honduras, Guatemala, and El Salvador. So, you know, this is another component of this uh, massive immigration bill, the U.S. Citizenship Act of 2021 that was introduced by President Biden in the White House to Congress. It's not yet implemented, but it shows you the just the radical priorities they had as soon as they entered their Oval Office. So I think the MPP, uh, this U.S. Citizenship Act of 2021 were, were huge items that were initiated by the Biden administration. Um, let's also not forget the 100-day deportation freeze, the memorandum on this that President Biden and his campaign pledged to do as soon as he entered the uh, Oval Office. And he did do this. Uh, this called for a 100-day uh, freeze of deportations for many classes of illegal aliens. Now, thankfully, this eventually was overturned by a federal judge and, and struck down, so never got fully implemented. But again, shows you what his priorities were in that first month. And I can't think of any administration who has developed a, a policy like this. So uh, it, that was a, a very notable thing that happened in January. And lastly, in, in terms of uh, memos, I'll touch on uh, the zero tolerance memorandum. Uh, this was the same time period, uh, the month of January, where the administration officially rescinds the Trump administration's zero tolerance policy. Um, this was thought to be a tool that would deter illegal migration and help better secure our southern border. But this was the month where it was officially rescinded. So I know there's a lot more to say. Obviously, it's on our timeline on the website, on the main uh, rotator now. But uh, Spencer, I believe you'll be talking about what happened uh, in February, the month after their second month in the Oval Office. And you know, I, I, I'm sure listeners realize that nothing really improved at all during this month. Yeah, Matthew, and honestly, you know, just February builds on a lot of what you were talking about. Things just got worse, and really you started to see the impact of all the actions that the Biden administration took in the first day, on the first day or in the first week. You know, just to go over a few of these things, you know, uh, First of all, February is the first month when you really saw apprehensions grow significantly. In reality, you could look even before he took office. As soon as he won the election, migrant caravans formed and started coming to the United States because, and media members interviewed migrants and asked them, you know, why are you coming now? And they said, because Biden was elected. He said he's not going to deport us. He said if we get into the country, we can stay. He said he's going to offer amnesty. So you saw apprehensions go up from, you know, 65 70,000 to 80,000, then up closer to 90,000 after he took office, it, it, it bloomed extensively to over 100,000 in February. So it's when you really started to see the tangible effects of all of the talk, all of the policy that he promised put into place. And honestly, you know, at least for uh, those of us who work on this issue, none of that surprised us. We all knew that would be the impact, and quite frankly, the Biden administration knew that would be the impact as well. But just to get into a few more of the things that he started putting together in the month of February, you know, let's let's look specifically at some of these executive orders, some of these policy changes, uh, such as the Reunification Task Force, which was, again, based largely on the myth that former President Trump had separated large numbers of innocent families. This has been proven false time and time again. You know, and what really concerns me specifically... Uh, about this policy proposal 
is that it didn't provide any substantial method to ensure that minors are not being paired, or in Biden's words, reunified with human smugglers or those that they aren't related to. That was a significant issue that we saw under the Trump administration. We saw a number of statistics showing out, coming out showing that uh, human traffickers, drug, card, uh, drug members, uh, you know, cartel members, and other unsavory characters were using minors and children as an opportunity to get into the United States, knowing that they would then be released into the country. And that's a very problematic thing. And so if you're going to come up with some sort of task force, as Biden calls it, to ensure that families aren't being needlessly separated, in conjunction with that, you need to come up with something that ensures that people are actually task uh, fa family members. And in addition to that, as Farah's noted a number of times, in order to prevent this from becoming a situation that just encourages additional illegal immigration, it's important that those individuals are reunited in their home countries, not in the United States. You know, furthermore, and kind of along with this, you also saw the commission of a study into what's causing illegal immigration in the United States, as if it isn't a pretty simple issue. And the name, I just, I get a kick out of the name. It's called the Creating a Comprehensive Regional Framework to Address the Causes of Migration, to Manage Migration Throughout North and Central America, and to Provide a Safe and Orderly Processing of Asylum Seekers at the United States Border. That's a, that's a bureaucratic title if you've ever, if you've ever seen <laughs> one. Uh, and so far, based on this really, you know, apparently groundbreaking and complex study, the bright idea of the Biden administration has been to send billions of dollars to Central America. Like, we've never done things like that before. And to also send millions of vaccines to Central Americans instead of using them on American citizens that need them right now. Now, you really don't have to be a history expert to know that we have tried sending money to corrupt and broken governments in the past, and it has done nothing. It has only made problems worse. You know, basically what Biden is doing here is... At best, he's giving potential migrants the cash they need to illegally migrate to the United States. And at worst, he's putting money into the hands of corrupt governments that will use those for corrupt purposes. And again, same result, make the situation worse. So this really makes no sense. There's no pressure being applied on these governments to you know, either give in some of the corruption that is... Uh, that's plaguing their countries or else to help them build economies in their country that would keep individuals from wanting to leave the, uh, the uh, you know, those countries. It just seems like a we'll throw money at you and hope that solves the problem. And it's, it's a really irresponsible uh, proposal. And history has shown us time and time again that it's, it's not going to end well for those countries, for the individuals in those countries, or for the United States if he follows through with that. The other... Uh, Another executive order that he put out was to promote legal immigration and integration. And the idea of this executive order was to streamline the process to legally immigrate into the United States. But I think what we all know uh, is that's just simply code for making it easier to come to the United States, regardless of merit or need in the United States. And, and, and once again, it's just, you know, the, I know it's starting to sound like a parroted narrative at this point. But it's just another effort to make it easier for people to come to the United States, whether that's legally or illegally. You know, it really doesn't serve the best interests of the United States any better if we 
stop people from coming to the United States illegally, but then say, hey, come on in here, we'll give you a, you know, we'll rubber stamp a green card, green card, you can come to the United States and do the same thing. There really needs to be a process to this. We need to look at what are the needs of the United States, what are the needs of American citizens in the United States, and what individuals from other countries can meet those needs. Uh, this program does not do that. Uh, it does not serve the interests of the American you know, community in that way. And again, it just seems like something where the Biden administration thought, oh, we need to repeal whatever the evil Donald Trump did and come up with whatever was polar opposite of that. And that's what they did. And we're already starting to see the negative impacts of that. Kind of hand in hand with that executive order was one that quite frankly uh, baffles me the most. And that was a investigation into how to resettle more refugees due to the impacts of climate change. And this is just as absurd as it sounds. You know, there have been a number of studies that have shown that when you transplant someone from another country to the United States, their carbon footprint increases significantly. And often it increases to a point even above and beyond the average American citizen. So that would not do anything to solve the issue of climate change. You know, and furthermore, there is very little evidence to suggest that many of the refugees that would be admitted under such a program would actually be demonstrably impacted by climate change themselves. And if they were, let's say that something comes out to show that climate change is causing a drought in a certain area and those individuals are having a hard time feeding themselves, bringing them into the United States versus trying to help solve the issue in their own country would only make the situation worse. Because as I already mentioned, they'll come to the United States, it'll exasperate the problem, which will make it worse in the country they came from, which will make it worse for the people in that country, which means more of them will want to come to the United States. Mm -hmm. And so essentially what you're doing is you're putting a Band-Aid on the wound, and then once that wound gets infected, you take that Band-Aid off, you put another Band-Aid on, you just keep treating the symptom until there is no solution to the issue. Yeah, and this, I mean, climate, climate refugees and climate migrants is a very kind of in vogue uh, topic among some of the more, you know, woke countries in the West. I know that New Zealand uh, decided they were going to do this a few years ago uh, with some of the, you know, Pacific Islanders who they, you know, they they say that climate change is going to, you know, destroy these islands and that New Zealand needs to take them all. Um, but this is an issue that's been getting a lot of traction in the U.S. And it doesn't surprise me at all that, you know, an administration like Joe Biden is able to pair two of their favorite talking points one being climate change, you know, you have John Kerry, our climate czar, and then you're able to pair that with, you know, increasing, you know, more immigrants to the United States, uh, which is another pet issue of his. So, th you know, that doesn't surprise me at all. And I think we'll see more of this down the road for sure. <laughs> yeah. Fr from a logical standpoint on the issue, it makes no sense. But from a tactical standpoint, it's kind of ingenious because not only are you serving your purpose of trying to, you know, bring more migrants to the United States, you're also touching on a very popular buzz topic with a large subsection of, of you know, your constituency that's going to get really excited about this. They can pretend that they're doing something to solve climate change and, you know, help supposed refugees at the same time. You know, like, like I just mentioned, it's really doing nothing to help the situations in those countries. It's just making it worse. You know, an, another thing uh, in in kind of in hand in hand with uh, foreign legal immigration is the efforts and the 
moves that the Biden administration has made to rescind the changes to the H-1B uh, visa program that the Trump administration put into place, along with the uh, immigration pause due to the COVID-19 pandemic. And reversing these right now really make no sense for the simple reason that the unemployment rate is still extremely high in the United States. Americans are still struggling to find work. And so that makes it problematic for the for an economic recovery because these big businesses, of course, are going to want to continue to prioritize cheap labor, labor over paying American citizens the going market rate for that kind of work. But I do want to stress that even outside of pandemic times, we saw big businesses firing American citizens in favor of cheap foreign labor. So, of course, while it's especially problematic right now during a pandemic, I do think it's still important to note that this would be a bad move even during normal times as well. And it simply shows that President Biden is in the camp of big business and the open borders lobby and not the American people. So, again, I mean, we've already talked about we're starting to see the results of all of these uh, problematic you know, rescinding of orders that the Trump administration put into place to protect American workers and implementing new policy that just exasperates the problem. You know, we already talked about the drastic increase in apprehensions along the southern border. You're seeing, uh, you're seeing these both uh, temporary tent cities put up to help manage the, the incoming migrants becoming vastly overloaded by you're talking by thousands of percent in some cases. You're seeing massive COVID-19 outbreaks occurring. You're seeing illegal aliens being released into the country without a notice to appear, meaning that they're they're gone. You're not going to find them. You won't even know where to send their notice to appear if you ever get caught up on everything, which is unlikely. And of course, now you've seen uh, Vice President Harris tapped as the borders are and she is nowhere to be found which i guess you could debate might be a good thing considering that she has a history of saying terrible things about our law enforcement officers along the border and suggesting that we should essentially just open up the border and let everyone in so could probably call that a blessing in disguise yeah that's for sure um you know that's <laughs> you know in many ways february was very you know, very big for the Biden administration. This is where they they really rescinded um, most of the Trump administration uh, policies. And Spencer, you kind of hit on this earlier that they did this, you know, pretty much just because, you know, orange man bad. Um, so even in instances where the policy made sense, they got rid of it simply because they had promised their supporters everything that Trump did, we're going to get rid of. But um, Matthew, let's go back to you and, and start talking about what was going on in March. So by March, the border crisis was in full swing. Uh, CBP at this point had apprehended um, over 172,000 illegal um, aliens during this, this month after they had apprehended over 100,000 in February. Um, and at this point, you know, we were pretty much just seeing the Biden administration just bury its head in the sand um, and continually deny that there was any kind of crisis going on at the southern border. Um, so, you know, this kind of goes without saying, but March was another big month for immigration uh, in the Biden administration. Isn't that right? Yeah. In fact, I'd say it's arguably the worst month so far, not only from a policy standpoint, but uh, from a public appearance standpoint, if you will. So 
This was the month in March where DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas went on national television on numerous occasions denying the very existence of a southern border crisis. He doubled down, tripled down, had no remorse about anything. He stood there on live television just, again, downplaying the severity of what was happening at the southern border. In fact, he was so confident in his responses that he appeared before the House Homeland Security Committee to do the same thing, to deny that the situation at the southwest border constituted a crisis. So I'm, I'm thinking, okay, if this is the leader of many of our nation's immigration agencies, ICE, CBP, Border Patrol, USCIS, and you're someone who's working in one of these agencies and you see your leader saying this kind of stuff to lawmakers, to the media, and, and doubling and tripling down, I mean, it, it's just, how can you have any trust or respect for the guy? Um, and so from a public appearance standpoint, this is a really bad month for DHS, for the Biden administration, because you have Mayorkas, again, uh, just not acknowledging and respecting what's going on at, at the southwest border. And it wasn't just Mayorkas either. Let's not forget, President Biden had his first uh, press conference this month. This was the first press conference he had live uh, since he since he entered the Oval Office. And he was asked, of course, a number of questions uh, regarding the border crisis, regarding immigration. And again, he had the same kind of defiant attitude, denying the severity of what was happening, uh, blaming actually the Trump administration's uh, immigration policies for uh, facilitating this border crisis. And also uh, he, the, the fact that, that he, again, offered not really any solutions to anything. And also, I, I think he kept using the, the, the phrase, oh, this is just a usual seasonal increase that, that we're seeing. So a, a complete disaster yeah, that, on that front. I was going to say that that press conference was a nightmare. I remember watching it and he, you know, pr pretty much the whole time he was trying to kind of deflect from the border and talk about the vaccine rollout. Uh, yeah. And, and every, you know, but the reporters obviously were there to talk about what was happening at the border, um, which was by far the biggest issue that week. Uh, and it was, Matthew, it was stunning to see him just deflect again and again and again and and blame it on Trump and blame it on, you know, all everything else but his own policies. Which you right. can tell he was coached to do because his approval numbers when it comes to the borders are down in the 30s and 20s now, which are which is in, in ridiculously bad for someone in their first 100 days in office. You know, typically on everything you have this kind of honeymoon period where Americans are like, hey, let's just give the guy a shot and see how he's doing. But his actions on the border are so bad and so visibly bad that Americans are fed up with it and tired of it. On the contrast, polling shows that his actions on COVID-19 are being relatively well received. So you can tell he just wanted to deflect off of that. But, right. you know, in addition to just trying to pass it off as a seasonal thing, that's not even accurate. Anyone who looks at the data can see that the, there is not a typical upward trend, especially especially as steep as it has been during the months of January and February and March. So I don't know what he was attempting to accomplish there. And this is one of those very few situations where I'll say kudos to the media for not letting him get away with it. I don't know how yeah, often they, we'll see that, but for once. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, they actually were, were holding him accountable and asking really uh, I thought fair questions, which of course he didn't, you know, answered directly. He meandered around them, but you know, from from a third public appearance standpoint, so we had Mayorkas doing a disaster job, Biden doing the same thing, but also Kamala. This was the same month where I'm, I'm sure you guys have seen the clip a hundred times, 
where she, uh, Vice President Kamala Harris is, is about to board a plane and a reporter asks her uh, something to the effect of, do you plan on visiting the border anytime soon? Uh, and she basically laughs at that idea. And as Spencer mentioned before, this is she was just appointed or you know uh, nominated for this border czar position. So here's someone who's expected to solve and help manage what's going on at the south, southwest border, basically laughing at the, at the premise of visiting it. So I mean that was circulated all across the media that, that laughing clip, but it, it was really a bad month for the administration with uh, Kamala, with with Biden, and with Mayorkas, kind of uh, how they were appearing on on media and in public regarding what was happening at the southwest border. Now. I'll touch on one little policy thing that happened. So during this month, last month, the House Representatives, which we all know are is dominated by Democrats, uh, they passed H.R. 6, the American Dream and Promise Act, as well as H.R. 1603, the Farm Workforce Modernization Act. And this, these pieces of legislation amnestied or amnesty nearly 5 million illegal aliens. And President Biden was, uh, he absolutely loved this idea. He tweeted support for both of these bills, urging Congress to pass the legislation. And again, it shows you, you know, where his priorities are right now. You know, how can an amnesty to millions of illegal aliens be a, a top priority for, for him, the White House, and, and just the ministry, administration right now? You know, the, the border's out of control. Uh, this month, in, in terms of border apprehensions, saw the largest number of unaccompanied minors apprehended on record. In history, uh, same with with uh, just border apprehensions in general for the month was the largest uh, in 15 years. So again, it just shows you, you know, why is he encouraging Congress to pass this? Why isn't he encouraging Congress to pass legislation that you know secures our borders better or that funds um, you know detention centers to to make them you know not in the terrible conditions that they are right now? So you know, March again, not a very good month. I know we, we've said all these months have been bad, but they have been bad. Um, so I know we're approaching the 100 day mark now. And, you know, I, 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 I think it's clear to us, to the American people that what's happening with immigration is, is not good right now. Yeah, that's right. And it's, it's really, you know, just kind of cascading and getting worse, um, even into, to April where we are now. I mean, you know, our economy is coming back from COVID. I think, I don't think anyone can deny that, but there's still a number of people that are, um, out of work. Uh, a lot of people whose whose jobs that they had before the pandemic no longer exist. Uh, and in spite of this, um, President Biden decides to let the guest worker pause um, related to COVID-19 um, lapse. And so now we're bringing back in, you know, tens of thousands of unskilled guest workers. Um, you know, we're bringing back in tens of thousands of H-1B workers to to compete with Americans for jobs right at towards the end of the, you know, kind of this economic disaster that we had with COVID. Um, and this, this move made really no sense. Uh, you know, I, I don't think there is a justification to, to lift that pause when there still are so many people out of work and so many people who are underemployed, um, which is an important factor to consider as well. It's not just that they have jobs, but it's that they're, you know, they're not earning as much as they were before COVID. Um, yeah, and then, I, and- I, I want to touch. I want to touch on that just a little bit too. One one thing that you really need to consider, even though you know the unemployment rate, if you just look at the basic number, is down to about six percent. That's great. We are recovering, you know, from the economic impacts of COVID. It's important to realize that people in the lower quarter of the economy, their unemployment rate is still, I believe, last I saw, over twenty percent. That's yeah. significant. You know, that's that's the that's the quadrant 
of American workers that have been impacted the most by COVID. And in terms of illegal immigration, as we have shown in studies in the past, most illegal immigrants take jobs in that sector. So they're taking jobs from the slowest sector to recover from the COVID-19 pandemic. So while overall it may look like, hey, things are getting better, and they are, this these moves by the Biden administration is making it extremely difficult for those who really couldn't afford to lose their jobs in the first place to find employment and to actually be able to recover from the economic impacts of the pandemic. This is just slowing it down. Yeah, and, I, and it's especially true with the H2B workers that are coming in. You know, they are, you know, they work in landscaping, construction, hospitality, restaurants. These are all jobs that got rocked by COVID-19 and by the shutdowns. And so it makes really little sense to suddenly start importing these workers again. And I know um, our Twitter account retweeted this a few days ago, but there was a, um, uh, I believe, a hotel union that was was blasting this. Um, they were blasting Joe Biden for for allowing this to happen because they were pointing out that even though, you know, 90 percent of the hotel jobs you know, haven't been filled that, you know, you have some of the companies are bring are still petitioning for these workers because it's, it's entirely because they're cheaper. Um, they're, you know, they're more compliant, you know, they don't complain. Uh, they don't, you know, file lawsuits against the company, things like that. So it's, um, it's, it's really just a shame. And I, I think it, it really makes no sense. And it's so indicative of the Biden administration's approach to immigration, which has been, to just do the opposite of the Trump administration, regardless of what it costs, because they don't want to be seen as ever lending credibility to anything that that Trump did while he was in office. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, Preston. I, I remember a few days ago, uh, Senator Tim Kaine from Virginia was talking about that exact concept where he feels that the Biden administration is just doing this like wholesale approach where we're just going to wipe out everything with has the you know the name Trump attached to it or that was developed by Trump no matter if it was effective or not and you know he even thought as, as someone who's a prominent Democrat that like whoa we, we gotta put the brakes on this a little bit we gotta really analyze each individual policy and initiative before just wiping mm-hmm. it out just so I, I think even some Democrats are going are getting frustrated with, with, with what's happening right now with with the administration yeah no that's that's for sure and they should be because I think like you said there's there's obviously there are you know good policies you know outside of any stigma if there was one that the Trump administration had when it came to immigration you know you know the the changes that he made to the H1B process it makes really no sense for Biden to change that and to to make it even cheaper to hire H1B workers it makes no sense to end the guest worker pause when we're still at double the rate of unemployment that we were prior to COVID. Um, it, it's things like this where, you it, you know, it makes no sense to rescind the migrant protection protocols, which were working and which were preventing uh, a border crisis from happening. And then, of course, as soon as he lifts those, what happens? A border crisis happens. And so it, it's very, I don't know, it's, it's just very disheartening to see that the administration is focused more on dunking on President Trump than, than it is on actually solving policy issues. Yeah, and, and you saw it with just a few days ago with, with the refugee cap situation. You know, they, they the administration wanted to keep it the same as what the Trump administration had it last year as, and then you know they received a lot of blowback, 
and they reverse course immediately. And so like they, they are very you know sensitive to this and they want nothing attached to them whatsoever. Yeah, and that's that's going to be, I think, a problematic thing we're going to see time and time again throughout this administration, unless something changes drastically, is that in some ways the Biden administration feels captive to the radical fringes of his constituency. He has just seems to have no ability to tell them no. So whenever they, you know, throw a fit about the refugee cap not being immediately raised to whatever number he, you know, he had proposed in the past, even on the advice of experts in his own administration, he feels like it's more important that he gives in to whatever the wishes are of the radical segment of his constituency. And that's going to be problematic because those individuals do not have the interests of Americans you know, at heart. And that also, you know, begs the question of, are we ever going to see any real solutions to this issue during the Biden administration? Some of them are real simple. Stop doing what you're doing. You know, re-implement MPP, you know, continue working on the border wall. You know, a lot of these, I think, are, are pipe dreams, things that he could not do for fear of his base. But I, I'm not sure you're going to see him make any effort at any of these solutions right now, even though... There is a lot that the administration itself could do right now, today, in the next hour, if they wanted to, to solve the border crisis. Oh, I mean, they could they could end it by just, by just you know reinstating the migrant protection protocols and renegotiating the Trump era asylum agreements with the Northern Triangle. But again, like you brought up, you know, he's he's kind of captive to his base Mm -hmm. who loathe everything that ever happened under Donald Trump. And so these policies, even though they were working, they had to go in in the mind of Biden and his administration. And in some ways, that's Biden brought this on himself because that was the entirety of his campaign platform is orange man bad. And I will do everything. Whatever Trump did, I will do the opposite. It doesn't matter if he what if what he was doing was popular and you know, showing tangible results like MPP was, I have to do the opposite. And it's it's interesting, and I'm just really interested to see how long it's going to take for the American people just to be completely fed up with it, for them to completely turn on them. And we're already seeing that on the immigration issue specifically, but eventually it's that's going to overwhelm their ability to support them on other issues. Because unlike in so many situations in government, he has nothing to hide behind on this issue. He can't go out and say, well, I would do it, but I can't get Republicans in Congress to get on board. This isn't a congressional issue. These are all executive actions that he took that his administration could reverse if they want to. And not doing so is just not going to reflect well on the American people. And it's interesting just to see, I mean, to me, how long that's going to take before you have an outright revolt. And once that happens, whether or not the Biden administration is going to be willing to, I guess, betray that radical segment of his constituency and and appeal more to moderates and perhaps the center right and even the center left on a lot of these issues and and try to, you know, come up with some sort of solution to to stop the at least the direction of the crisis on the southern border. Yeah, my my question is, what is it going to take for them to just acknowledge fault and start reversing course because, you know, apprehensions continue to soar. They've shown no sign of slowing down. It, it could arguably, arguably be actually better for migrants to travel or to migrate to the country uh, in, the, in these next coming months because it's warmer weather for them. 
So, I mean, I wonder, is it like, what is it going to take? Is it a certain number of apprehensions that they say, oh, okay, well, that's too many. We, we got a reverse course or I don't know a what it's going to take. apprehensions but, in one month. <laughs> yeah, I, it, it's really, it's a hypothetical, but I, I just, I really don't know what, what event is going to make it or what, yeah, event is going to make them want to reverse course. I, I, well, it's really well, bad. Biden already accidentally apparently called it a crisis. So yeah, that is true. <laughs> the administration had to back off on that, which again, just boggles my mind. Like admit it already. You know, it, even, even some of the most radically open borders media outlets are acknowledging that this is a crisis at this point. You know, whether you're talking about the surge of COVID-19 cases, uh, a lot of cases of sexual assault happening in these, you know, tent cities that the Biden administration put together, just tragedy after tragedy. But even when he, you could tell he knows it's a crisis, his administration knows it's a crisis, but when he accidentally tells the truth on it, they have to come out and go, oh, no, 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 we didn't mean to say that. Do, do you guys think, and I don't know if there's a right answer to this, but do you guys think that that because the media has have exposed what Biden has done at the border and it's clear what's happening, that Americans are, are becoming oversaturated with what's going on down there and, and you know, they're kind of going to become complacent and be like, oh, well, you know, it's been going on for three months, six months, nine months, you know, and, and not really want to take more decisive action and put more pressure on the administration. Well, this is a situation, I mean, I think it's always possible, you know. Uh, uh-huh. I love to quote Syndrome from The Incredibles, you know, where he says, if everybody's <laughs> super, no one's super. I like to say yeah. when everything's a crisis, nothing's a crisis. Right. So in some ways, yeah, Americans can get desensitized to the issue. But, again, I think this is in some ways relatively unique uh, to, you know, compared to a lot of the things we get outraged about today in that, it impacts the daily lives of Americans. You know, we're it's it's interesting to see again. Look at the border counties in Texas. Look at Southern Florida. Look at a number of counties in uh, Arizona. In you know, cities like San Diego, that are trending away in terms of voting for these open borders proponents because it is impacting their daily lives. I was just uh, reading an article the other day about individuals in San Antonio, Texas, which is a very liberal city, you know, getting really concerned about increased gang violence occurring in the city and ever since the Biden administration took over. And that's just going to continue to come into the interior of the country. You know, we're seeing uh, migrants being flown up closer to the northern border just to house them. They're going to be released into those communities eventually. It's going to harm those communities. So... In some ways, yeah. If it's just media coverage, eventually we get used to the new normal, which is every day a new crisis. But this is a situation that impacts the daily lives of the American people, whether it's losing your job or national security issues or, or maybe, you know, gang violence coming into your city. It's one of those deals where you can't get away from it necessarily just by turning off CNN or Fox News. <laughs> yeah, no, th- those are great points. I mean, I... I think, you know, a lot of Americans are obviously concerned. I mean, cause the thing about it, immigration, we all know this impacts our country in so many different ways, so many different levels. So, you know, this is not an issue that can be easily forgotten or just, you know, as you said, shut the TV off and that's it. No, this is something that's really inter- intertwined with our society. And, you know, hopefully, I, I hope Americans don't become desensitized or just complacent to what's going on. And, you know, we could really put, continue to put pressure on the administration. Yeah, Matthew, that's that's a really great point. And I think that is um, probably a good a point as any to end on today. 
Uh, so um, for our listeners, we hope that you've enjoyed today's episode and perhaps learned something about the Biden administration's America last policies throughout these first 100 days. As a reminder, we'll be releasing a new episode every other Monday. Uh, our episodes are available on pretty much every platform, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. You can find it on our website, fairus.org, and our Twitter handle, at Fair Immigration, uh, to access these episodes and to see other content. So please spread the word and share the podcast with anyone who you think might be interested in learning more about immigration in the United States. Until next time, this has been Understanding Immigration, presented by FAIR.